0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: And we're back on Inside, Black and Gold. We're gearing up for week one, Saints Titan, September 10th. I'll be on the sideline for that. It'll be a good time. It'll be at the Caesar Superdome. Hopefully the Saints win an opener for once in their lives. One guy who I expect to be on the field, the guy who caught the first touchdown pass quote, unquote, from Derek Carr in the Superdome is Keith Kirkwood, a guy who, you know, we've known for a long time. I I was talking to him and I asked him, I was like, you remember, you know, that game where Drew Brees threw four touchdown passes to undrafted players? And he was like, oh yeah, that was my first touchdown. It was on Thanksgiving, I believe. It was, I can't remember if it was on Thanksgiving, but it was against the Falcons. And I asked him if he remembered the other three players who caught touchdowns in that game. And he, he just listed them off. Like he knew it. He didn't have to think about it. He was like, yeah, Tommy Lewis, Dan Arnold, Aunt, uh, uh, Austin Carr, money. And I was like, okay, so this means a lot to you. And he's like, yes. And, you know, he's a guy who's been in the NFL for six years. He has never made a 53 man roster out of camp. um, and And this year he did. And I just think it's really cool. Like it's, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you should pick up Keith Kirkwood in fantasy, right? Although I do expect, I think I would say that there is going to be a point this year where Keith Kirkwood has a day or two Hmm. where if you had him in fantasy, if you were like desperate and you're like, fine, I'll take a dart throw at Keith Kirkwood, he might reward you with like a two touchdown game. Cause I think he is going to be a piece of this offense. And we'll get into that a little bit later on, but I'm not going to try to convince you he's going to have a monster year. It's just every, every good NFL team, every team that makes a run of the postseason. It makes a run to the Super Bowl. They have players like Keith Kirkwood who make an impact that is underappreciated. It won't be remembered five years from now, but in the course of the season is hugely important. And I feel like he's that guy for the Saints this year. And I mean you talk to him, he's just a great guy. Like there are players that you root for whether or not you think they're star players or not, you want good things to happen to them because they're good people and they're good and they work really hard. And to me, he's that
0: guy. Yeah. You definitely got to appreciate the hustle from Keith Kirkwood. Uh, Definitely someone to me that's, I think I've mentioned it before that stood out was just the way he's carrying himself, the confidence he has right now going into this year. You definitely can see he believes in himself. I'm not saying he didn't before, but I, I think he's really confident in what abilities he can bring to this roster. I mean, to a certain extent, like you can only believe in yourself so much
1: if you, you go through the stuff that Keith Kirkwood went through. If you remember, he went out to the Panthers with Matt Rule, who was his former coach at Temple. So there was a connection there. It wasn't random. He went out to like, he he knows Matt Rule, who's no longer there. And he he was in his first training camp. He got speared on a tackle and a non-contact practice. He got speared in the helmet and he got hurt. And, you know, that kind of ruined his preseason um and i think he was kind of on track to be a piece of that offense i don't know how important he would have been but i think that he was gonna be on that roster and they ended up cutting the guy who hit him like it was a dirty hit in a practice where you weren't supposed to hit someone and he got hurt and carted off the field and it's just that you know that's the some guys just have bad luck and uh so it's cool to see him back it's cool to i remember i sat down with him at the touchdown club event last year and he was like, immediately, I was like, do you, do you like it here better than Carolina? And he was like, oh, my gosh, I can't. I'm just so happy to be back here. Um, he just loves it here. Uh, and when you're a practice squad guy, when you're a guy that's kind of like floating around the NFL, trying to find a job, just being somewhere that you like to be is, a you know, it's, it's, not, it's a luxury that not everyone gets. And so I got a chance to catch up with Keith in a locker room this week and kind of talk to him about that. So here's that interview. Congratulations. Thank you.
2: Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. I
1: mean, how have you been? How have these last few years been for you just generally? It's got to be kind of a weird existence yeah, it's, to be it's, on and off the practice squad.
2: It's definitely, definitely been a roller coaster. Um, And I say a roller coaster because I've had so many ups and downs, so many trials and tribulations. I've been hurt. been on the practice squad, elevated off practice squad. But just like I mentioned before, I'm just taking this year as a new opportunity to come out and show that Keith Kirk was able to display some good things this year to help this team go as far as we possibly can.
1: So, you know, just getting to cut down day, did, or did you feel confident going in that you had done enough to, to make the 53?
2: Um, I mean, I think that's everybody's goal is to make the 53-man roster, but you never know what happens in this NFL, in this business. I definitely feel like felt like I displayed a lot this camp to give me that opportunity or, or just to have the coaches have some more of a a good standpoint on who was going to make that 53-man roster. But at the same time, like I said, you just never know. So if it was me starting on practice squad, starting on the 53, whatever it is, I was going to fulfill my role to the best of my ability because I see something brewing here, and I know we're going to go – go pretty far.
1: Was there a point this camp specifically that, that kind of started to gel where you kind of felt like, was it those early morning lifting sessions or was it somewhere in camp where it just felt like, okay, this group is really kind of coming together?
2: Yeah, I think not not just camp, it started way back on OTAs. Um, the very first day when I walked in this building, I had a mindset of trying to be the first in the building and when I would come here, my expectation is, okay, I'm going to bump into the quarterback, and that's basically what happened every day, and I was able to build that trust um, from Derek Carr, and that relationship just has built and grown, and he trusts me as one of the guys on this team that if he can count on me, or if... One guy misses up, he can always count on me. And that's what I love that I was able to fulfill that back in OTAs and just this whole team overall. Um, the way we competed in OTAs, I don't think there's another team in the NFL that has had this level of competition that's brewing right here in New Orleans Saints. So I'm just super excited for what's going to happen this season.
1: I mean, you've worked with multiple quarterbacks. Is that, that trust that you talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of something that gets said a lot, but is it kind of a tangible thing? Like when you're out there, you can tell that he trusts you in certain yes. situations?
2: Yeah, and I think that's what you want out of any quarterback quarterback. quarterback or any receiver, tight end or running back uh, quarterback you're playing for. You want to build that trust because if if there's no trust out there, there's no point of you being out there with that quarterback Um, because at the end of the day, if you're not that number one or number two read, well, he's counting on you that you're that third or fourth guy that's going to be in the right spot at the right time so that you know, things don't mess up in the progression of the quarterback and we have a still successful offense. So that's the goal at the end of the day is to build that trust from the quarterback so that he has the right guys out there. So if there was ever a, a mess up or a screw up, he knows he can count on those other guys to step up and fill that, fulfill that role. Yeah,
1: dude, I, I can't recall if I, we've asked you yet, but you yes. know that touchdown, um, it feels like a month ago at this point, because yes. it kind of was a month ago at this point. But how, how cool was that, mm. that moment just to catch that touchdown? Yeah,
2: it was, it was definitely one of the best feelings that – I can recall because even though that touchdown doesn't actually count in the stat books, um, that was my first touchdown since 2018 as a rookie being on this team. So, And not only that, it's just a, a beautiful feeling, like I said, building that trust with Derek Carr and then that first read's not open and I'm in the right spot at the right time and the ball comes to me and it was just such a beautiful feeling to have Derek Carr throw his first, not first, <laughs> but first touchdown in the Superdome to me. It was just so surreal. All right. Appreciate it, man. Congrats again. Thanks.
1: Yeah, so that was Keith Kirkwood. I I do want to clean something up. I think if we're being literal here, I'm pretty sure that Keith did make the opening 53 for the Panthers in the 2020 season, but that was the year he got hurt and was placed on injured reserve before week one. And I think it was was one of those situations where you keep him on the active roster so you can put him on IR. There were weird IR rules at that point. But even then, he played one game that year and ended up going back on injured reserve because he re-injured his shoulder. So, yeah, I mean, call it what you want. This is really the first time that he has made a roster on his merit and being healthy and expected to play. But either way, you could hear from him there. One of the things that he talked about, and this is kind of what I was alluding to in the open here, is, you know, having the trust of your quarterback – means a lot more than than I think anyone who's never played wide receiver might realize it is. And if you go back to that touchdown pass, it wasn't just a touchdown pass in the Superdome. It was a situation like Keith talked about where the defense took the first option away. And so what do you do as a quarterback? Do you force the ball in? Do you pull it down? Do you try to scramble or do you go through your progressions and trust that your third read is going to be there? A guy who knows he's not the first or second read in the progression. And his job is to get to the right spot. So if the quarterback throws the ball, you are where you need to be and you can get it. Because they can't take everything away. As long as everyone does their job, you should have something. And that's what that was. And I think so to me, that touchdown in that moment from Derek Carr, it means a little bit more than just, oh, yeah, he caught a touchdown pass in the Superdome. It's an indicator of just how much Derek trusts Keith because he does stuff like that. Because when everything breaks down, Derek knows exactly where he's going to be. And you've seen examples of this. I think Randall Cobb with Aaron Rodgers is a good example of a guy who probably wouldn't have that long of an NFL career if not for being able to read De- Aaron Rodgers' mind. And being where he travels around with him now. He's on, the, he's on the Jets now because he can explain how Aaron thinks to the receivers and be like, guys, guys, guys. If you don't run the right route, Aaron's not going to throw you the ball and he's going to kill you. Seriously, literally, he's going to murder you in your sleep. Uh, Like, you know, Lance Moore with Drew Brees, I think, was a good example of that. Right. Julian Edelman with Tom Brady. You will not convince me that Julian Edelman is an NFL wide receiver if not for Tom Brady. And so I think that when you're looking at who who is that receiver on this roster, like, you know, Mike Thomas is a star. You know, Chris Olave is a star. But who is that guy that everything breaks down and Derek knows that this guy's going to be where he wants him to be? It's Keith. And that's why I could see there being a situation this year where teams try to double Chris. They try to take Mike away. And then Keith just ends up with like three touchdowns in a game because you can't guard everybody. And Derek has no qualms about throwing him the ball in big spots. And so I'm, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I hope, I hope he can stay healthy. I hope he can be a big part of this offense this year because there's no one who deserves it, I would say, more than Keith.
0: Yeah, you heard him talk about how that I want to be the first guy in the building and you expect Mm -hmm. to see the quarterback there. So, yeah, I'm going to force myself to develop this chemistry with you (laughs) because I'm going to be the only guy around to work out with. And that's freaking fantastic. Right. Like, I'm going to manifest this. Talk about manifesting reality. Like, I'm
1: going to manifest this into being. And, you know, it worked. You know, Derek talks about the same thing. It was like, yeah, like I didn't really know Keith. And then all of a sudden we have these 630 lifting workouts. And who, who's in the building? It's me and Keith. And we're constantly talking. And, you know, like, again, you know, talent is, is great. Talent can go get you a long way. But as a wide receiver, especially at that position, the position of wide receiver, you are nothing if the quarterback's not willing to throw you the ball. If he's never going to look your direction because he doesn't trust you, if you're Brian Edwards, you know, you're not getting anywhere. You have to and you have to do the right things to the point that he's under fire. He's sitting in the pocket. He's waiting to get lit up, but he's willing to go to his third read because he knows it's you and you're going to be there. And they're doubling this guy. They're doubling this guy. You know they can't cover everybody. Anyway, I, I, I think that he's going to have some moments this year Where you're
0: like, man, I'm glad they have him around. Totally. Like you said, he's not going to be this fantasy stud that, oh, man, I got to pick up Kirkwood. But like you said, too, it's like it's going to be a week or two where, oh, crap. Keith Kirkwood, four catches, two touchdowns, 80 yards kind of thing. It's like, where'd that come from? (laughs)
1: Right, right. There's going to be a point this year where all of your wide receivers are either hurt or on by. And you're just desperate. You're like, who can I pick up? that is definitely available and has a chance to score a touchdown, to save my fantasy week so that I don't have a donut (laughs) and I have a seven or a nine. And, and I think he might end up being that guy. Like if there's a week, Michael Thomas isn't out there. And suddenly you need an X. I think he's the guy, you know, I don't know what happens if Traquan gets healthy, whose role is whose, you know, who gets the, who gets the run.
0: But that's actually a good point right there. I was thinking, could Keith Kirkwood be that guy that does that dirty work for you like, the, and be that blocker? Oh, 100%. No, that's, that's a, like,
1: he's a big dude. Like, right. uh, you know, it's, he's, I want to say, let's see, what is he listed at? 6'3, 210. Like he's a bigger guy. He can hold up in a blocking game. He's not as good of a blocker as Trey Quan Smith. I think people lose perspective on like, he's like, Oh, Trey Quan's a good blocker. Trey Quan is a great blocker as a wide receiver. Trey Quan is on teach tape around the league in terms of, <laughs> This is how wide receivers should be blocking. And, you know, I don't think Keith is quite as good of a blocker as Traquan. But, you know, it it all comes down to reps. And who do you think if it came down to it, Derek Carr trusts more right now?
0: Nice. My money's not Keith. The guy there at six thirty in the morning with him, right?
1: Yeah, again, and like that that his only Derek Carr has one drive to his credit in a live game as a member of the New Orleans Saints. The touchdown went to Keith Kirkwood. And I think you know, it, it, he talked about it. He was like, it's, and "That's pretty cool, right?" Like, it's not really a touchdown. Like, it's not like it's going to be in the stat books. But he knows, he he knows that he Derek knows. He knows the first touchdown Derek Carr ever threw in a game in the Superdome went to Keith. And this has really just been a been a 15 minute you know love fest for Keith Kirkwood. Uh, but I think he deserves it. Like, no one talks about Keith. He just comes out and works. And uh you know he was again he's a guy who goes back to the Drew Brees days right like he That's wild right. He knows what this team was like back when it was when it was a machine and they were blowing the Eagles out like 35 to 7 right like when Mike Thomas was hiding cell phones in goalposts he was here for that actually I think he might have been gone for that one I can't remember if that was 2019 or 2018 either way he knows what this culture was like back when it was winning and you know there's not that many people you can say that about like a Cam Jordan sure um, you know, Ryan Ramchek, yeah. Um, I don't I can't remember when JT Gray showed up, maybe 2018, I don't know. But you know, I think those guys are valuable. Um, even even Traquan Smith, you know, he was here in 2019, 2018. The only player left from that 2018 draft class. Um, but yeah. But the problem is obviously, yeah, we we've seen Traquan in and out way too often. Uh, that the entire draft class. I mean, if you want to throw a draft class in the trash, holy crap. Let me read it to you. And you yeah. can just cringe <laughs> at every name. I, I probably could name it offhand. I, the, the first one is obvious. I mean, the first two are obvious, but uh, I always forget the last few. They're just as bad. Marcus Davenport, number one overall, Mr. Two Firsts. Uh, then the next pick, because you didn't have a second round pick because you traded it the year before, Traquan Smith, the only player from this draft class who there are seven players who are drafted here. The only player still on the roster. Fourth round, Rick Leonard, an offensive tackle out of Florida State. didn't, he didn't make that out of camp, did he? Make the 53. Right. Your fourth round pick. I mean, that's bonkers, right? Like you can't be cutting your fourth round pick. There's so many players on the board that you're not even getting to camp with them. You know, I don't what? even know if that guy's in the NFL even anymore, honestly. I, I mean, what a bad pick. Yeah. I mean, you talk about like Ian Book. At least they gave Ian Book a chance. God. Anyway, continue. Notrell Damerson. <laughs> yeah. Fifth rounder. Safety out of Wisconsin. Cameron Moore in the sixth round. Uh, cornerback out of Boston College. And then another Boston guy, a sixth rounder, probably the best pick in this class. <laughs> Boston Scott, a uh, running back out of La Tech at number 206. I'm sorry, 201 overall. He ended up making the 53. Right. Then getting waived and sent to the practice squad. And then he was signed by the Eagles off the Saints practice squad. And has gone on to probably have you know, the best career out of, I don't know. Marcus has had decent, I mean, he, he hasn't been a star, but if if you only consider his games against the Giants, he has been a Hall of Fame caliber player. <laughs> and then the seventh round pick. Now, this guy has played in a lot of games for the Saints. Can you name him? The seventh round pick in 2018. We actually just saw him in the preseason. Now, who who is it? I can't think of it offhand. Will Clapp. Oh, he was the seventh round right. pick that year. So you can't say they never draft LSU guys. That's right. <laughs> they never did. At least they do. They they will now. I'm sure. But uh, center out of LSU will clap. He's now on the Chargers. If anyone was wondering why why I mentioned that they saw him. That's the draft class. Can you? I, I mean, I don't think you can go back in Saints history. There have been some bad draft classes. I don't know if you'll find a worse one than that in terms of. Just whiff, 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 whiff.
0: You no, know, all, all those names make you, you know, remember some awful mediocrity. And like like I said, that Rick Leonard pick, I distinctly remember. I was like, man, he didn't even make it out camp.
1: Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, I, I you look at this draft class and it's like, well, they didn't have a second round pick. So you can't blame them for not getting a good second rounder. But based on the other picks, they would have made the worst possible pick in the second round. (laughs) They would have took a third round uh, graded guy who, uh, you know, breaks his ankle on week one and then never plays again. Right. That's, that's the luck for this one. But I do I will say it came after 2017 where basically everyone was a pro bowler. So I think it was like a, you know, like when Steph Curry hits five threes in a row and then he's going to take a half court shot.
0: I think that's what this draft was. Man, that's just rough all around. The, the Davenport pick, too, there were flashes from him, man. It just A guy with health and just was never the same after, well, I guess last year. Was last year the first year without the finger or no? Yeah, that's when he kind of lost the finger. Um, but yeah,
1: 21 and a half sacks in his career. And just half a sack last year. Half a sack, yeah. So and he had twenty one going and, into last year, <laughs> and the contract season, which was yeah. wild, right? And the contract year that the Vikings really saw that. The Vikings did see that half sack. Maybe they only looked at that clip. I did think it was funny that someone put out a Marcus Davenport twenty twenty two highlight reel, and it was just that
0: one play oh. on, on loop. That's <laughs> <so> funny. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, definitely interested to see what he does in his career now, but just never, never was able to put it together here, unfortunately. No, uh, and but you know what? This year looks more. Uh, uh, going off a different tangent, this year definitely looks more promising. Opposite Cam uh, with Granderson and Peyton Turner with that—that's a pretty lethal rotation. I like it. Yeah, well, that twenty twenty one draft class was looking was looking rough, but you
1: know we'll we'll see. If Payton can do something, then maybe you can you can salvage it. But right. all right, let, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about special teams. Obviously, this is a position and a group that has had a lot of upheaval in the last few days. Talk more to oh, Lou Headley. Two two UDFA's. Yep. <laughs> And we're, so we're going to get into more of that. But also, you know, I want to talk about Gunners. I want to talk about all that. We got to talk to Darren Rizzi this week. He had a lot of interesting things to say. So we'll get into that. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. And stick around.